You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Good morning. Good morning, Discovery. So, I want to start with a word association. If you're, you're watching at home, let's, let's see. If I said the word lion, what would you think? Maybe tigers and bears? If I was to say hot, you would say cold? If I was to say mom, you might say dad. What if I was to say offering? You say, hmm, that, uh, that leads to a lot of different thoughts for different people. For some people, uh, offering would be a, a feeling of joy of being able to give. For others, when we're in a church setting and we say offering, there's a sense of guilt. There's a sense of obligation. There's a, sometimes a sense of a, a scam. And the offering has so much to go with it. And so this is actually what we're looking at today. We've been doing this basic series, Back to Basics. And the idea is we're looking at the basics of what a Sunday morning looks like, right? We've looked at scripture, that that's an integral part. But, it's, but this basic series isn't just Sunday morning. This basic series is what is the basics of our walk with God, of our foundation, of our, um, of our relationship with the Lord. These basics that we do on Sunday morning are the basics of our spiritual journey. That scripture is an integral part of what we do on Sunday morning, but it should be an integral part of what our relationship with Christ is. That we're in scripture, that we're reading, that we've been trying to dive and follow into God's word. We've looked at uh, communion as part of Sunday morning, but also communion of this relationship when Jesus died for us and, and that we would be saved because of his resurrection. And so this idea that that's part of our, our walk. We've, uh, several weeks before this series, we looked at worship, that, that worship is something we do here on Sunday morning, but it's also something that we do in our life. That not just singing, but, but are we worshiping God in our behaviors, in our actions, in, in our uh, relationships, in our work, in our studies? So we're looking at these basics. And one thing that we do on Sunday morning every week is an offering time. So what does that look like in a church setting? But more importantly, what does that look like in our walk with God? So that's the idea behind this basic series is what do these components look like with us personally, with our connection with God? Uh, offering, uh, offering sometimes brings up so much emotions and thoughts. And, and so I just want to kind of put that to a side for a second. Um, so often offering people see it as the church, is, this is their chance to try to raise money. This is the church they, time they need to pay bills. This is what the focus of offering is. And I want you to know in the Bible, that's not the focus of offering. Uh, that's not the focus here at Discovery Church. And, and if you pay attention during our offering time, I, I hope that's not what's coming across because that's not the focus of our walk with God. The focus of our offering is to give, to give back to God. Not a, any specific amount. It doesn't necessarily even mean finances. It's our response. Last week, we looked at communion, and we intentionally did communion first, because communion was to focus on what Jesus did. And our offering is now our response. What does it look like for us personally to respond to what Jesus did for us? 
So that's what we're going to look at this morning. For offering, uh, another word would look like the word give, right? The, the dictionary.com definition says to give means to present voluntarily and without expectation or without expecting compensation. Basically, the idea is giving is an act of grace. It's based on grace. It's one to which we expect no return, no compensation. Giving is an act which is not forced, it's free will. If I was to make you do it, then it wouldn't be giving. It would be having, it would be me taking. But giving is free will. Also, it's an act which we transfer possession or control of the gift to somebody else. That we're letting go. That's no longer us. There's no, if it's freely given, there aren't strings attached. It's a gift. I remember one of the very first gifts that I purchased uh, that I was so excited. I was a little kid, maybe uh, eight years old, and I was staying with my grandparents for several weeks. And when we were there, I got to know the neighbor, the neighbor kid, and, and we just hit it off. And so we spent every day together, all our free time, and he ended up having a birthday near the end of my time there. And I was so excited. He invited me to his birthday party, and so my grandparents took, the small, took me to the small country grocery store, and I went down the toy aisle, and they said, pick whatever you want. And so I remember, like, this is one of the first times I picked the gift, that this is one of the first times that I got to choose what I wanted to give to my friend and to be able to make this a special thing. And so I went and picked out this gift. And and remember, this is a while ago. This is in the 80s. And I picked what was hip and trendy and awesome, the Rubik's Cube. I thought this would be great, nine-collar dice that is lots of fun, a puzzle that never ends. This would be great. And I was so excited And as you look at those definitions, those qualifications of a gift, this is what little eight-year-old Matt was so excited about, that it was a gift of my free will, that no one made me give any certain thing that I chose for the first time. This is what I knew Simon would like. I thought he would love this. I was so excited to give it to him. And it was just, I got to choose it. Grandma and Grandpa let me pick, and it was what I wanted. I was excited to give the gift, this idea that it's a giving control, that there was no strings attached. It was, it was my opportunity to give to him. We had had so much fun for the past several weeks, and, and I just wanted to go to the party. I wanted to give him my gift. I was excited. It was this gift based on grace, that there was no compensation involved. He was my friend. I wanted to give to him. There wasn't some, if you do this, I I would get that. It was just this idea that I wanted to give him this gift. And so I wrapped it up and went to the party, and I was so excited. And Simon had several other friends and his family there, and and he opened the gifts. And and as it turns out, uh, Simon was colorblind. And so a Rubik's Cube is not the world's best gift uh, for an eight-year-old colorblind kid. And his family and friends let me know that. And it was quite awkward party. But I was still, this was the first time that I got to pick the gift and give it. Off of my own free will, off of my own desire, off of my own just excitement to give. This is the idea behind offering is that there's no strings attached that we don't give in offering, whether it's our time or our talents or our finances or our skills or our volunteer. We don't give it in hopes that God would then bless us back. We don't give it out of obligation or guilt. We give it out of (coughs) free will. 
out of a response to what God has already given us. I want to take a second as we're looking at offering to kind of look at what that, what I'm talking about here. Offering is our gift to God. Offering is not a, a gift to Discovery Church. Uh, offering is not n- necessarily a, a gift to any specific place. It's a gift to God. And so I don't know what your offering looks like. It might be that you give, uh, you give financially to Discovery, or maybe you give financially to some other amazing ministry. Maybe your offering is giving to supporting children through Compassion International. Maybe your offering is a lot of different things, and that is all our gifts to God. Perhaps your offering isn't financial. Maybe it's something you can, your talents or your time or your skills or leading a a Bible study or helping in a children's ministry or leading a program at your work or there's many different things. I want it to be clear that when we talk about offering, this is not about your financial gift to discovery. This is your relationship with God. Discovery is completely out of this picture. It's out of this message. This is between you and the Lord and giving back to him. It's about giving to God. It's about a response of what God first gave us. Salvation was freely given. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who in rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. Because of his great love for us that he freely gave. He didn't have to. He wasn't coerced to. He wasn't out of guilt that God gave his son. It's because he loved us. Because he loved you and me that he was willing to give. And so he chose to give Jesus as as a sacrifice for us, while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. This was the gift to us. And so how do we give back? What's it look like for us to give a free will? Paul writes a little bit about this in 1 Corinthians. He's writing to the church in Corinth in in chapter 16, and he tells them this message uh, about their giving. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Save it, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. He's saying to set aside an offering for his ministry, for his work, for what he's doing. But he's very clear. He wants them to do it every week. He wants them to do it ahead of time, before he comes. In 2 Corinthians, we, he elaborates why he wanted it ahead of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, he says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it'll be, given, then it'll be ready as a generous gift, not, not as one grudgingly giving. He wanted to make sure that they were prepared ahead of time and that it wasn't because Paul was there, because Paul's representatives were there, and now they were giving them because they had to. Now they're giving because of guilt. Now they're giving because of obligation. Now they're giving because people are watching. 
So often that's what's associated with offering, right? When, when the basket goes by, I know this is how I always feel when the basket go by, goes by. Rather, I've given online, rather we have direct payment, rather oh, I already maybe gave first hour, I pass that basket and I feel guilty when I pass it on without putting anything in it. I think, I wonder what people are thinking when they're looking at me. Why, why didn't he give? Does he not care? Does he not support? What? And you start thinking these things. And so Paul wants them to have this prepared ahead of time. So there's not this guilt. There's not this, uh, this undermining, like, what's he doing uh, idea? Uh, what, why isn't that he giving? Why isn't she giving? But that it's out of your heart that you've prepared and given this ahead of time. Some charities keep a list of givers, and, and they recognize the big givers that give a lot. And, and that's okay. I, I understand that. It's to encourage that. But I don't think that's God's economy at all. It's definitely not something, anything we do here. Because I think it's very clear, that's not how Jesus sees our gifts. There's a story about a widow in the book of Mark, chapter 12, and it's a, it's a neat story. Chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offering were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The focus isn't the amount. The focus is the heart. As Jesus saw this widow versus these other people, he saw her heart was to fully give to God. That it didn't matter how much she gave, it mattered what she gave. But she gave from her heart. Whether that was finances or, or what she gave, if it was time to, to say that, you know what, I could, I could help out in the children's ministry on Wednesday night. I got a few hours. That, or whether it's, you know, I could support a child through compassion. Whether it's, uh, I, I could do this at my work or this at my school to, to bring people closer to God. That heart, what is there? It isn't writing about writing a giant check. It's, about giving of yourself. It's about giving our all, all that we have. It's about giving because God first gave to us. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I think first our offering starts with who we are. Are we willing to give ourselves to God? And from there, the offering comes out. From there, whether it's finances or our time or our skills or our effort, that flows out of this first desire to give our lives to the Lord. That woman, the widow, she had already given her whole self to the Lord. And so her two small copper coins was an overflow of who she was. With our giving, it needs to be an overflow of what we've already given to God, ourselves. Have we given him our, our fears? Have we given him our worries? Have we given him our time? Have we given him our focus? Have we given him our mind? Have we given him our relationships? 
Have we given him who we are? Have we given him our goals? Are we willing to follow God with everything? Then the offering will flow out of that. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Uh, Let me read this to you. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this passage because it talks about the heart of giving, that we should give with a cheerful heart, with a generous heart. So often when we think of giving, whatever that looks like, like I've said many times, finances or skills or time, are we giving out of obligation? Are we giving out of guilt? Are we giving out of anger? Are we giving out of spite? Are we, why are we giving? And this is what Paul's talking about. This needs to be the focus is our heart. I'll be honest with you. If you are giving financially out of guilt, stop. Pause. Stop that payment. If you're working in, in a ministry, if you're helping out in, in, in greeting or children's ministry because of, you feel like you have to, step back and, and pause and stop and say, where's my heart? Because it's more important, this walk with Jesus that we have than any financial gift that, that we might be giving. And be able to work on that, that then, then we go back to giving out of a cheerful place out of a generous place, out of a desire, not out of a guilt, not out of what Satan might be pressing on us, this guilt, this anger, this pain, this frustration from the past, but out of a desire just to praise God and give him our all, to give him everything. As, I, as we looked at this idea of offering, Chris brought to me a song that, that speaks to him when he thinks of this. And it's a beautiful song. It's an old hymn that, that as he shared it, it's like, yeah, that nails this, this week. It's the song, I Surrender All. The words are beautiful. It says, I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. This was written by Judson Van Deventer in the 1800s. And Justin was a highly talented artist. At 17, he accepted Jesus and he went on to college and got a degree in art. And he was an amazing sculptor, artist, and teacher. He, he had a great, very highly successful art career and, and would tour art galleries in Europe and America. And at the same time, he had this passion for God. At the same time, people kept telling him, you, gotta, you have so much gifts, you need to use your, your ability with music and, and speaking for evangelical work. But he loved this art and he was so torn which way to go. And he shares the sense, he said, for some time I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work. Then, at, one, at last, at one pivotal hour of my life, I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. 
I became an evangelist and discovered deep down in my soul a talent hitherto unknown to me. God had hidden a song in my heart and touched a tender chord, and he caused me to sing. And that's when he wrote, I surrender all. So what does that look like for us to surrender all? For everyone, it's different. Throughout Jesus' ministry, there were many times that he called people to, to follow him. And of all the thousands that followed him, only 12 were called and followed through to follow him 24-7. That might be you, or that might not. I don't know. There were 12 that that's what they were called to, to go all in and, and to, to give every moment to Jesus. But it doesn't mean that the others that gave in a different way were not called all in. And they were giving everything that they had with where God had them at that time. I think of Mary and Martha, that they had a home that where their, their opportunity was to be able to, that they supported Jesus financially. And then when they came into that town, they would open their home and they would feed him food and they would host the, the people to come, and they would care, and they would give them his, their all. It didn't mean that they had to follow 24-7 like the disciples, but it meant that where they, God had them, they gave their all. Where does God have you? Where would it, how would it look like for you to give your all? For each of us, that might be different. For some, this talk is about finances. For some, it might be figuring out what can you give financially to God's kingdom, wherever that would look like. For some, giving your all might look like dedicating more time to reading the Bible. For some, it might look like helping out in, in this church, in a ministry, in the greeting of the coffee, in the sound booth worship, in the children's ministry, youth, so many options. For some, it might look like leading a Bible study at work or at school. Maybe it's caring for the neighbor, that cranky neighbor that's always yelling at you and shoveling their driveway this morning and making a difference this morning for them. What does it look like to give your offering to God? Offering will often change the hearts, change our hearts, because then we get to be on, by giving, we're following God by giving, we get to see God work. By giving, we get to see, uh, see what God can do with what little that we might have to give, whether it's the two copper coins that the widow has or perhaps the hour in your week that you say, you know what, I'm going to stay for second hour after first hour, and I'm going to start helping out in the children's ministry. Because just think about that. Just think about what it could mean to give your, to give your all, to surrender all, and, and that looks like an hour extra on Sunday morning that you help out with the fourth graders. And perhaps, I follow this story, but perhaps that fourth grader comes to know Jesus through conversations with you. Or maybe through the, the teaching of the teacher, but they just have developed this relationship with you that they're engaged in listening to the teacher. Either way, they come to know Jesus and, and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That fourth grader grows up and gets married and has two kids. A fourth grader now, has, with their two kids, is raising those children in a Christian home. And those two kids accept Jesus. And let's say those two kids then raise their kids in a Christian home, and they have two kids. You get the idea that, that through just these two generations, there'd be seven people whose eternities 
are changed because of your offering on a Sunday morning to help a fourth grader know Jesus. This is what offering does. It allows us to be part of something so much bigger than us, so much bigger than our story, but to be part of God's story. That's what I love about offering. This is our response to God. Jesus Christ came and died for us. This was his free gift to us. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do so, uh, to, to reach out to us, let us talk to you about it, because there is nothing greater than to, than to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to receive salvation, and to know that we have eternity in heaven with him. But in response to what Jesus has already given to you and to me, this is where offering sticks in. This is where our chance to give back to him and to be part of his story. I want to close with one neat offering story. This one is a finance story, but it's more of a God story. It, there is a lady that came and a few, several months back, and she caught me on a Sunday morning, and she said, hey, Matt, um, someone in my family passed away, and I was given an inheritance. I want to give a, an offering of that inheritance. And, and she said, is there any specific need that you know right now? Is there someone that, that has a bill that needs paid or something? Is there any specific need that you need at this moment? And I thought, and I, and I couldn't think of anything at that moment. And I said, but there, something will come up. It always does. And she said, okay, well, I'll, I'll swing by and, and drop off a, an offering check. Well, fast forward several months later, and I got a text message one morning from the Isaiah house. And they were working with a family with DCS, and it's a single mom that is working hard and trying to get her life straight to, to, to be with her kids, to raise them up in a good Christian home. And bills have piled on, and they've had finance problems, and, and there's a long, hard story that she's gone through, but she is trying her best to love on these kids. But because of the bills and because of the, the condition of her apartment, it's, it's fallen apart. And one of the things is the plumbing. The, the shower and the, the shower is clogged, and, and it has been for a month. She doesn't have the means to, to, to fix it. She doesn't have the means to fix the problem. And so every morning, she showers her kids, and then she has to take a, a, a shop vac and pump it out and put it in the toilet. So DCS is working with her to get her house up to standards to be able to care for these kids. And, and so they reached out to Isaiah House, and Isaiah House reached out to me and said, hey, is there anything you know, uh, is there anything you can do? And I said, give me a few hours. So I reached out to our missions team, a, a great group of people, and sent them a text that morning and told them the story. I said, hey, there's a lady, and she's got these little kids, and she's trying to do the right thing, uh, but they're plumbing problems. We need to get a plumber for her. And in the text message, it said, I don't know where the funds are going to come for this, but can I go ahead and, and get a plumber for them? Everyone on the missions team immediately applied and said, yes, do it, and let them know we're praying for them. So by 11 o'clock, I'd reached out to the plumber, and I'd reached out to the lady and said, hey, we're going to get this taken care of. We'll, we'll find the funds for it, and the plumber is headed your way. At noon that day, at the office door, came the lady. Remember the first lady from three months ago, the lady with the inheritance. She said, hey, life has been crazy. I'm sorry I haven't brought this by, but I wanted to bring by the check for the inheritance. She said, remember, I had talked to you that if there was a, a special project that was needed, 
And I said, you're never going to believe this. I told her the story of the morning and about the lady, and she's got these little kids, and, and she's got to drain the, the, the bathtub every day and, and, and all that we were doing, and we were getting a plumber, and I even told her, I sent the text message, I don't know where the funds are coming, but God will provide. And as I told this story, tears welled up in her eyes. She said, you know what, Matt? This inheritance was my dad passed away, and we weren't very close, and he didn't have a lot of money, but he wanted to give me this gift. And then I wanted to give a gift of that to someone that need. My dad spent his entire life as a plumber. And she just teared up, and I teared up, and it was a beautiful moment to see God's story. Our offering is so much more in God's hands. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, what does your offering look like? Was it, it might be finances, but it might be your time. It might be your skills. It might be your passions. It might be drawing closer to God. It, it might be leading your family. It, it might be setting an example at church or at school or at work or in your neighborhood. It, it might be going and shoveling a bunch of driveways this morning. What does offering look like to you? And how can we be part of God's story as we give freely, as we give without strings, as we give to our Lord. If you'll pray with me. God, we just pray that, uh, that this morning our offering, whatever that looks like that you've put on our heart, that we will give to you, that we will surrender all, that we will give this in your name. Amen.